0: In Vivo qualitative data analysis software empowers researchers around the world to discover rich insights within their qualitative data. This podcast gives you unique insights into the methods, the processes, and the passions of researchers. Welcome to the In Vivo podcast, Between the Data. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Stacey Penna, the Growth Marketing Director at LumaVero. Today's podcast is with Dr. Silvana DiGregario the Product Research Director at LumaVero. We will be discussing her recent research on disruption and the rise of AI, exploring the role of technology in qualitative research. So welcome, Silvana. Hi, Stacy. So my first question is, how did you get started working with qualitative research? Well, it goes
1: back to when I was an undergraduate at Smith College in the States. I did a semester-long sociology course, which was doing about a qualitative research project the whole semester. The professor, who was Myron Glazer, who, by the way, was no relationship to Barney, he set the subject, which was growing old in America, and I did research, which included observations and interviews at a care home in Northampton, Massachusetts. It was the early 70s, so I had no tape recorder. And we were taught to excuse ourselves to go to the loo or restroom where we would quickly write up our notes. And that was what we were taught to do. (laughs) And so I did that. And then I typed up my notes in duplicate using carbon paper on my portable Olivetti typewriter. And I bought what was essentially a cardboard box, which held hanging file folders where I cut and pasted my notes organized into themes. So that was the technology of those times. And that was the beginning of my love for messing about with qualitative data. (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) The bathroom technique. (laughs) 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 Thanks. Why did you decide to conduct research on AI and its effects on qualitative research?
1: That goes back to in 2020, I did a survey and some interviews on the impact of COVID-19 on qualitative researchers and their research. And I subsequently did a follow-up survey with some of those same respondents in early 2023. So I had been thinking about the impact of the disruption caused by the pandemic on qualitative research practices. For example, I saw from the follow-up survey that it seemed to accelerate the acceptance of online data collection, you know, using Zoom or Teams or whatever. So I had been toying with the notion of disruption, and I felt that the sudden rage about AI, which we have been experiencing throughout 2023, was another form of disruption. Certainly a different disruption from what we experienced during the pandemic, but a disruption nevertheless. And that was something that I wanted to explore. And also wearing my hat as the product research director for Lumivero for Envivo and Citavi, I wanted to understand the best way that those tools could take advantage of any benefits that generative AI could offer.
0: So what was your research design? Well, the
1: overall research question was understanding qualitative researchers' views on generative AI, whether they've used it or not, and any ideas they had about how it could help or hinder the qualitative research process. In August 2023, I designed a survey with 18 questions, half of which were open-ended. And I have to say that I was surprised at the depth of the answers to those open-ended questions in the survey, which goes to show that qualitative researchers consider generative AI an important issue. There were 174 respondents. The sample was from people who had attended the Lumivera webinar on NVivo and ChatGPT back in June 2023. And I also had some respondents from a few academic discussion forums where I had posted the survey. And from the survey, I selected a cross section of the respondents who varied in terms of their experience of doing qualitative research in general, how they rated their comfort with generative AI on a scale from one to 10, and also from different sectors. And in the end, I conducted seven in-depth interviews with them to explore further their answers from the survey and get more background information on how they have played with generative AI. I developed their questions from their survey answers, but I did my own experiment with ChatGPT giving it some anonymized background of the respondents and their questions to suggest interview questions. So in the end, I used a mixture of my questions and some questions that ChatGPT suggested when I interviewed them. And I have to say that ChatGPT gave some good suggestions.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So just so I understand a little better and listeners do, can you sort of describe what generative AI is? So generative
1: AI is this new form of AI that is really based on very large language models. They've used like hundreds of thousands, probably millions of bits of data. And this is all textual data, I have to say, in order to build a model from which you could interrogate the data. So it's sort of an interrogation process where they've developed ChatGPT so that it acts kind of like a person so that you can ask it questions and it responds in sort of a way that a person would respond. So it's a very interactive thing. And the thing is, is that it's not trained in a particular way. You know, the answers aren't given beforehand by the developers. It's basically itself putting together relevant bits of information in order to ask your questions. So it's not that, let's say, legacy AI programs or AI programs that, for example, with understanding sentiment, sort of what we have in Envivo, basically those were developed so that words were actually assigned by real people in terms of how positive and negative they were. And so therefore, it's working on that basis, whereas generative AI is actually just itself looking at the connections between disparate bits of information to give you an
0: answer. So hope that answers your question. I just wanted to make sure I was understanding that correctly with your answer. This podcast is sponsored by LumaVero. Developers of Nvivo and other software designed by and for data experts to illuminate powerful new insights that help customers make decisions with confidence. If you're looking for a better way to analyze and manage your qualitative data, try using Nvivo with the 14-day trial. How did you analyze the data you collected?
1: Well, I did a straightforward thematic analysis using NVivo, of course. (laughs) Uh, In one of the open-ended questions, I asked them to list the generative AI tools that they've used or played with. And I had never heard of a large number of those tools. So I asked both ChatGPT and Google Bard to group them into types of tools. And ChatGPT and Baud grouped them very differently, but also both were unsatisfactory. For ChatGPT, I think it's partly because its database is a bit dated now, and some of those tools are very new. But they both showed inaccuracy, so in the end, I had to search on the internet for those tools to understand what they did. But I just did basic thematic analysis in in NVivo, as as I would normally do. Mm
0: -hmm. What were some of the most common
1: tools that people mentioned? Obviously, ChatGPT was way up there and barred, but there were tools like Connected Papers, Elicit, which is for literature review. It's, it was quite interesting that a lot of people were experimenting with generative AI tools that support looking at literature, sort of summarizing mm-hmm. yeah. literature, finding other papers, that sort of thing. So those were the most popular ones.
0: And how did you find researchers uh, using the AI tools for their work?
1: So in the survey, only 18% said they actually used generative AI in their research. There was about half, just under half, who had been playing with and experimenting with generative AI tools, but they actually stopped short from using it in, in their own research. But they were doing a lot of experimentation. And, and so just over a third had never even tried using it. Those who used it in their own research, it was mainly summarizing transcripts maybe summarizing literature, pulling out themes. So those were key ways they used it. And another important use was to improve their writing. And that was particularly important for researchers whose first language is in English. So for example, one researcher told me how he used it to improve the abstract of a paper he was submitted. He wanted to make sure that he conveyed correctly in English what his research was about. Most of the researcher's Using generative AI, I said, as I said, we're experimenting with it, usually with dummy data or literature. And as I said, many were playing with literature review work, either to find more relevant articles or look at connections between articles or to produce summaries of articles. And most of researchers would be following up to check for accuracy and that was very important to them. And many use it also to generate ideas for proposals, for research. Even some were having chat GPT critique their own work. And some used it for lesson planning and even creating a course outline for modules that they were teaching. So really, they were using it across the whole research process from generating research topics all the way right through to writing up.
0: I think it's interesting you used it also for your own research. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, well, I play with it a lot, yeah. and I played with it a lot before I did the research as well. Yeah. So what are some of the concerns about using generative AI in qualitative research that you found?
1: In the survey, I, it asked people to rate on a scale from 1 to 10 about how comfortable they were using generative AI as a research assistant. So 1 being not at all comfortable and 10 being very comfortable. And both the mean and the mode was six, which hmm. indicates to me that most researchers are on the fence, very slightly towards the comfortable side. But there were also quite a few who scored one as well as 10. So I got there are people at both extremes. Who were totally comfortable with it, and others who just wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Their key concerns was about the security of the data, privacy, and the ethics of using generative AI. And they needed to be reassured that safeguards are in place in terms of who could see what is uploaded to the generative AI tool. And as a few researchers pointed out, that it's just not possible to always to completely de-identify data. And there's also, people talked about the ethics around, you know, you should inform informants that you will be using generative AI in the analysis of their data, that you should have their permission. And of course, there were also concerns about the accuracy of the results of generative AI. Open AI who developed chat GPT, they are quite open that it's inaccurate about 20% of the time. There's also big concerns about the transparency. Of the data and bias, how generative AI has been developed. So, like, as I mentioned, that they're using lots and lots of data. And is that data biased? Where does it come from? It's, it's mm. many people described it as a black box that even the developers aren't clear exactly how they work. And also, some of the people I talked to who from not the United States or the UK. In other countries were saying how they find it when their experiments that it's very US English oriented and US oriented. And I spoke to one Norwegian researcher. And he was saying that it didn't know about sort of like key Norwegian authors, that sort of thing. And what's interesting is that he mentioned that in Iceland, they're actually talking to ChatGPT about whether to give them their sort of literature resources, their textual resources to incorporate it. So I think it's important to realize that it is pretty English-U.S.-centric in terms of where it's been based upon, how it was developed. And the other concern is plagiarism by students using ChatGPT, for example, in their essays. And that's a big fear amongst universities. But I think it also raises the question of what constitutes plagiarism now. So if you use ChatGPT for part of your analysis, does that count as plagiarism? Will editors of academic journals find it acceptable or not? And so on. And that has actually stopped some researchers actually pursuing it more because it's not clear. There's no guidelines at the moment. Guidelines are being developed now. So there is a lot to consider.
0: So what are some of the benefits of using generative AI with qualitative research that people talked about?
1: Well, the biggest one is time-saving. It can kickstart your thinking, whether it's about developing your research questions for a survey or interviews or quickly summarizing key articles in the literature or helping you pull out initial themes in the data. I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's, it's really all about time saving. But other things is that it can also help you break writer's block to use it as a sounding board for your ideas. It can improve your writing and i mean i'm just thinking back to another an earlier ai experiment that was done by google mind back around 2010 they developed something called alpha go so go is a a game that people in southeast asia in particular play a lot and it's a very complicated game it's far more complicated than chess and it they say it's the most complex game in the world And the developers, sort of DeepMind, who Google bought, actually trained an AI tool to play Go. And then they did a big publicity stunt where they had it play, you know, the top Go player in the world. And it actually beat him in a couple of games. And that was quite shocking. But what happened after that was that Go players around the world, and he noticed as well, was that the AI was playing Go in a very different way, in a very innovative way, that no one had played before. And that actually helped them develop their technique for playing Go. And the point that I'm making here is that something like generative AI could actually, a big benefit, could actually make us rethink how we do qualitative research completely. So it's sort of like to reflect, rethink, and sort of reset at the moment. So yeah, so I think that will be a big benefit eventually, I think.
0: So my next question sort of follows up on what you just said on how do you see generative AI impacting qualitative research? Because you just mentioned it could change the way people do it.
1: So, I mean, I think it's early days to say anything for definite, but I think any big disruption like this will have an impact. And if you think back to when tape recorders were introduced, that enabled new forms of qualitative analysis to emerge, such as conversational analysis and discourse analysis, where now that you had the tape and then you could have transcripts, you could actually examine in detail, for example, turns in conversations, which was something you couldn't do before. So that developed a whole new way of analyzing qualitative data. A whole new approach. And also, the interview then became the dominant data collection tool for qualitative analysts. It wasn't so dominant before. Observations were very big before. And if you think back to the introduction of qualitative data analysis software, coding became dominant as that was what the technology at the time supported best. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe we will adopt a more what I call Socratic method of interrogating data with generative AI to find patterns in the data. So we'll have to
0: wait and see. We'll take a quick break from the episode. To learn more about how to use Envivo's AI features, visit the InVivo product page at lumavero.com I get the sense it's not going away, so... You're going to have, yeah, to, have to figure says. out it's how not, to work with it. <laughs> it's
1: not going away. And yeah. also, it's impacting not just qualitative research, but all our working yeah. lives, yeah. all aspects of it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, how is Lumavero addressing this AI disruption? So
1: it's addressing this AI disruption with what I call a considered approach. So, as you know, Stacy, and VIVO has had AI since twenty fifteen with auto coding by theme, auto coding by sentiment, and user driven machine learning, which I think is the best of both worlds, where the user codes a proportion of the data and VIVO codes the rest following the user's coding patterns. And of course, we've had in vivo transcriptions since 2018. So we are looking at implementing a form of generative AI in NVivo, vivo, but we are taking into account the concerns and views of our users, which my research has uncovered. And also we'll have an advisory group of users to advise us on that. So it's coming, but it will be considered given all the concerns that I mentioned before. But I think there's a lot of benefits as well
0: people listening, you might be able to be part of that advisory group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Contact me. Absolutely. <laughs> so my last question is, what is one piece of advice you would give a researcher first trying AI?
1: Play with it with dummy data. You can even ask it to generate some dummy data for you. But the key with using a tool like ChatGPT is giving it good prompts better the questions you ask it and the more context you give it, the better the answers it gives you. And also it's an iterative process. You know, just don't just stop with the first answer you get. You need to keep refining your questions and you need to keep asking for using ChatGPT to refine its answers. So it is, like I said, the Socratic method. It's it's this very iterative process of questioning and refining the questions back and forth and I think that's where you find the real benefit of it but also to realize that it's not completely accurate you have to double check things but it can be a good sounding board certainly to get you know your ideas flowing. Mm -hmm.
0: So it sounds to me like if you have qualitative research experience, you might be actually pretty good at using it with the questions part, right? Because so much of Actual. qualitative research is asking questions and digging deeper. And like you said, that iterative process.
1: Yeah, Yes. I mean, I think as qualitative researchers, we've been trained. We know how to probe, how to ask questions. And that's basically how you should be working with something like ChatGPT or you know Googlebot. It's the questioning and refining the questioning and probing. You know, what do you mean by that? Can you
0: explain a bit more about that? So that's my advice. So thank you, Silvana, for talking with us. And thanks to those tuning in. Listeners, if you learn more about disruption and the rise of AI and qualitative research, we'd appreciate your support by rating and subscribing to the inviva podcast. This helps us to share these amazing narratives with the research community. So thanks, Ivana. Okay. Thank you, Stacy. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Between the Data. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more about Envivo podcasts and community events, please visit go.invivobyqsr.com slash community or email me, Stacy Penna, at s. Pena, Penna, at QSR